With the playoffs still in sight, the Seahawks certainly will need some help to make it happen. They also might be missing some key players on both sides of the football with a lengthy injury report. We're going to be breaking it all down heading into Sunday's season finale here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here on Blue Friday by my co-host, Nick Lee, and a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in nearby Marysville or overseas in Athens, Greece. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks will wrap up their regular season. It could be the last game of the 2023 season against the Arizona Cardinals at State Farm Stadium. We're going to be dishing out our weekly game plan for victory, picks to click, game predictions, and much more. And a jam-packed episode brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. The playoffs still are within reach for Seattle heading into the final week. Certainly going to need some help. The Green Bay Packers slipping up against the Chicago Bears is one of the prerequisites that must happen for the Seahawks to get into the playoffs this weekend. But most importantly, they've got to go to Arizona the house of horrors that is State Farm Stadium, and they've got to get a road win, take care of their own business first. And Nick, there is a good chance that Seattle's going to have to do this without a number of starters. One player that we already know, it'd be a stunner if he plays this weekend. Right tackle Abraham Luke is still dealing with a knee issue that continues to be worrisome, both short and long-term. Going to be seeing Stone Forsythe out there at right tackle, but Jordan Brooks practiced some on Wednesday and then was out on Thursday. That does not seem like a good development, in my opinion, going to this game for a guy that has been dealing with a sore ankle now for the better part of a month. You know, the, you know, the optimist might say, you know, maybe he's just experiencing some soreness from getting out back there on that ankle and getting more rest. Yeah, certainly it's lengthy. Week 18, game 17, we get it. Um, Leonard Williams, I, I was thinking the other day, Dude hasn't had a bye week. Like the dude has been playing every week <laughs> all season long because of that midseason trade. So um, he's missed both teams' bye weeks. So he just, he's, he, I mean, understandably banged up. And yeah, probably a little bit of rest needed there. So I'm not super concerned about Leonard Williams. He's been playing through some stuff. Jordan Brooks, I think, in my opinion, is coin flip. Devin Brook, or, uh, Devin Bush did some good things, but certainly you saw just the, the, the hole that is there when Jordan Brooks is not there. You see the value. You always can see tell you the value of a player when he's not playing all of a sudden. And Jordan Brooks certainly is in that category last week when they just got bullied in their own building by the Steelers. Jordan Brooks, I think, would have at least made a little bit of a difference. Maybe not the ball game difference, but certainly on defense, uh, you know, a big part of it. So Jordan Brooks and um, is a coin flip. Leonard Williams, I think, should play. Um, and yeah, it's it's certainly concerning when when uh, you're you're already kind of licking your wounds. 
um, physically and kind of emotionally and, <laughs> and mentally from last week. But it would be really nice to get Brooks back. Yeah, as you mentioned, Williams has not had a bye week, and the Seahawks actually posted this today. Their PR confirmed this. Leonard Williams, assuming he plays, and I expect that he's going to be playing this weekend, but he's going to be the first player to play in 18 regular season games since 1930. <laughs> you have to go all the way back to 1930. So major history for Leonard Williams on tap without that bye week since he got his bye week with the Giants would have come after the trade to the Seahawks and the Seahawks had already had their buy. So I'm sure he's not complaining about that, but at the same time, that's a lot of wear and tear for a guy in an already extended season. The name that jumped out to me was Jaron Reed being on that list. And he has sat out both practices this week. Now I will say this, there have been a couple weeks already this year that Jaron Reed missed multiple practices and he still played on Sunday with a veteran like that. A lot of times the Seahawks just try to, Make sure that they're right by the end of the week because these guys have played so much football that they're not going to be impacted as much by not having that practice time. And they can do all the stuff they need prepping off the field in the film room, things of that nature. So I would be stunned if Jaron Reed is not playing in this game either. But to me, Jordan Brooks is the biggest uh, question mark there as far as players that we don't know whether or not they're going to be available for this game just because of what he brings to this football team from an effort standpoint. And I thought Devin Bush, there were some plays where it seemed like he was a little hesitant hitting the hole last week. There were certainly some plays where he was more aggressive getting downhill. It was a very up and down start for him. Jordan Brooks just brings a more complete package. And I think he's one of the best tackling linebackers out there. We saw how atrocious the tackling was for the Seahawks a week ago. Devin Bush, actually, by my count, didn't have any of their missed tackles. There was a couple of plays yep. his pursuit angles were a little off, but uh, he was not the issue necessarily with missing tackles. But Jordan Brooks still, that mentality he brings, the mindset that he brings, they were lacking that for the most part last week. So I know the Seahawks are hoping that they can get him back on the field, particularly against this opponent. The Cardinals are sixth in the NFL in rushing yards. And they've been even better than that in the last six weeks. We know how bad the Seahawks run defense has been with or without Jordan Brooks. It has been atrocious really since week six this season. They have been the worst run defense in the NFL. So I think having him back, the fact that Ken Walker III was able to practice to a limited extent on Thursday, I think that's really good news. It sounds like they're just kind of putting him in bubble wrap for the most part. Let's get him ready for Sunday and then let's lean on our workhorse. The last time that he ran for 100 yards was against this Arizona Cardinals team back in week seven. So hoping they can replicate that, provide some balance for the offense. But overall, it's a long injury report. I do expect to see the Seahawks having most of these guys on the field for this week with Abraham Lucas being the one that, based on everything Pete Carroll has said and Jason Peters as well, I don't expect to see either one of those guys in uniform for the Seahawks against the Cardinals this weekend coming up next here on our blue friday edition of locked on seahawks nick and i when nick returns here he checked out here for a second when nick and i return we are going to be putting together a game plan for a seahawks victory on offense and defense don't go away you're listening to the blue friday edition of locked on seahawks This episode is brought your way by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. 
That's 150 bucks. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that can easily be found in the Parlay Hub, including spreads of the Seahawks being a slim favorite on the road over the Cardinals in Week 18, player props such as DK Metcalf's reception totals this weekend, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. We'll soon be rejoined by Nick Lee. I think that the wind is messing with the internet connection again in the Pacific Northwest, but we hope to have him back on here momentarily. The two of us are going to be diving into our weekly game plan here in a moment. A special thanks to all the 12s, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And make sure to check out Locked On has officially launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for your 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, Nick, welcome back. I believe that the uh, the wind was probably toying with your connection again. Uh, the Pacific Northwest is just uh, this time of year. That tends to happen. Let's get to our weekly game plans for victory. And the Seahawks did beat the Cardinals earlier this year, 20-10 to 10 at Lumen Field, but that was without Kyler Murray, without James Conner, two of the most important players for the Cardinals on offense. And that was when the Seahawks were still playing a semblance of run defense at that point. And really, Nick, ironically, that was the game that kind of jump-started this unraveling on defense for the Seahawks because the Cardinals averaged 5.1 yards per carry in that game and well over 100 rushing yards. And ever since then, the Seahawks have easily been the worst team in the NFL defending the run. And the Cardinals were able to do that without James Conner that's obviously got to be priority one, two, and three going into this game, trying to figure out how can we fix this run defense that has been a sieve for better than two months. Really, it's gut check time. It's pride check time on defense. Um, you can't If you can't stop a team with nothing to play for, with your season on the line, your playoff hopes on the line, that's an indictment on this team from top to bottom, from John Schneider, Pete Carroll, all the way down to the practice squad. Um, you know, so, something's rotten in the barrel at that, at that point. Um, that's your pride. That's your manhood, so to speak. I mean, that's on the line. And they need to have like that, that Scott Farkas affair uh, moment, like in Christmas story, where he finally pushes the bully over and just <laughs> wails on him. Um, the run defense needs to have that because really it, it's it's so hard to watch. And unfortunately, the Cardinals do a lot of things well on the run game that the Steelers did. The gap run schemes, the power schemes the things that gave the Seahawks fits. So really, it, it, it's number one is, is just defending that run game. James Conner, like you mentioned, wasn't even part of that game. And now he is. He's pretty much a trained assassin now. Um, and he's he's going to be licking his chops with this with the Seahawks defense. Cardinals are tied for the NFL lead with five yards of carry as a team. And I've been have had two 200 yard rushing games in the last three weeks. It's it could get ugly if the Seahawks show up in a similar way they did against the Steelers. It, it it'll be embarrassing. Yeah, James Conner, even though he missed four games, he is in the top ten in yards after contact. He's number one according to Pro Football Focus among qualified runners 
averaging 3.78 yards per carry after contact. So almost four yards per carry after contact. He's got six touchdowns. He has 52 forced missed tackles this year, which, oh, by the way, is tied with Derrick Henry for the fourth most in the NFL. And again, he's done that with four missed games. So this is a very worrisome matchup for the Seahawks in that regard. And I guess it's the other thing. You want to talk about how bad this Seahawks run defense is. I, I posted this on X yesterday, but just for context, Nick, the Seahawks have allowed 939 yards, almost 85 yards per game, 11 rushing touchdowns, and a first down on 32.8% of run plays in the first half of games since week six. This is not full games. There are, I believe, five teams that have given up less rushing yards in full games since that point. And the Seahawks have given up 939 rushing yards, 11 rushing touchdowns. That's more than half the teams have given up in full games rushing touchdown. I mean, that's how bad it has been for the better part of two and a half months. Just to put some perspective, if they play like that in this game, the Cardinals will run for 350 yards on them with the way they've been running the ball. As far as the second key on defense, that's number one. But this is anytime you play Kyler Murray. You need to bottle up the jitterbug that is Kyler Murray in the pocket, don't let him get outside. I mentioned this in the Eagles game that Jalen Hurts, he was struggling with a knee injury. It was okay if you can flush him from the pocket. You don't want that to happen with Kyler Murray. If he gets outside of the pocket with his lack of height, that allows him to be able to see receivers more. He is so quick and so athletic that he can pick up big chunks of yardage. When the Seahawks have had success against him in the past, they have been able to keep him bottled inside, and then the interior pressure has bared down on him. He has not been able to unload the football. He can't see his receivers get open, and he can't escape because the pass rush is in contain mode. So you got to be physical. you got to be athletic. you got to collapse the pocket, but you got to do it with some caution, particularly on the outside, so that you're not creating those run lanes for him. If they can do that, then you can limit his ability to impact the running game and extending plays as a passer, which has been their recipe for success when they have had success against him in the past. I don't mean this for me to, to be demeaning to Kyler Murray. I think he's a great talent, but he's like my my two-year-old um, when he has a, an unauthorized piece of candy in his hand running around the house trying to get him. I just can't get a hand on him. And then he, he goes out in the open field and he's gone and, he's, and it's in his mouth. Um, and Kyler Murray in his last three games has picked up seven first downs alone with his legs. Um, I also will add, however, Corbin, that he also has six fumbles in his last four games. I've noticed he's been have a bit about a a with a turnover bug in the last four games or so. Um, definitely yeah. want to change a game on its head is force a fumble inside Cardinals territory. So I think, yeah, make sure to, to rush smart um, against Kyler Murray and perhaps take advantage of his, his fumble issues. And also that leads to another one. It's hard to cause fumbles if you don't tackle a guy or get a hand on him. And <laughs> the Seahawks have, uh, I, I tweeted this this morning, they lead the NFL in missed tackles, total missed tackles per pro football reference. I'm sure Pete Carroll is just mortified at that fact. Um, Pete, everything he stands against. And this is just not a team that has taken the personality of his head coach. We we see that, we hear that all the time. Like, oh, you know, this team's buying in. They're, they're emulating, like Dan Campbell, that's a perfect example. That team is emulating the personality of their head coach. And the great Seahawks teams of the last decade do that this team has not and tackling is i think pretty much public enemy number one yeah and this is a cardinals team that is averaging only 4.5 yards per reception 
after the catch this year, which is ranked 30th in the NFL. They're without Marquise Brown, who is one of their best yards after the catch producers. Rondale Mar- uh, Martin, Rondale Moore is still a player that can do some damage there. Michael Wilson has got the ability to be able to get some yards after the catch. Uh, they've got a good tight end in Trey McBride as well. But this is not a team that is built to pick up a lot of yards after the catch. And yet the Seahawks, with their tackling woes, this could be a game that even the Cardinals can find a way to do that. And if Arizona is able to get some big plays where they break tackles, get big yards after the catch, that is just going to feel like a repeat of last week to go with the run game that they've got. So you've got to get into the ground. Tackle, tackle, tackle. I know that sounds basic, but the Seahawks have not been handling the basics on defense for really most of this season in tackle from day one. Now, on offense, the Seahawks are going against a Cardinals defense that has had similar issues defending people. They're near the bottom of the league in sacks. They've had a really bad run defense most of this season as well. So this is a team that has been vulnerable, and yet the Seahawks back in week seven, they only scored 20 points. It's a defense that always seems to play a little better against the Seahawks. That said, the Seahawks are playing better on offense here the last three or four games. Looking towards this game from an offensive perspective, what's the first thing that you think the Seahawks have to do to be able to beat the Cardinals, a team that's playing much better than their record indicates going into this finale? I didn't want to just go, you know, ho-hum run game. Um, I wanted to go dive a little deeper, certainly emphasize the run game because, I mean, certainly you got to, you know, rely on your defense to get you the ball. And when you have the ball, you got to keep it. And emphasizing the interior run game, especially behind who is currently your best run blocking offensive lineman. And that is Damian Lewis, left guard. Um, I, I was just looking at, you know, gaps, you know, directional running for the Seahawks. And right now the best gap as far as yards per carry that the Seahawks have is the left guard spot, 6.2 yards per carry out of 20 carries this year. So um, Damian Lewis um, right now, I think is your, your best run blocking offensive lineman at the moment. Um, so play to your strengths, go interior, especially on that left, that left interior side. Um, hopefully Evan Brown's good as well. Um, play to, and just try to out bully the bully and bullying being anyone who's running the ball against your defense. <laughs> um, doesn't have to necessarily be the Cardinals, but try to get out ahead of that by also being, you know, kind of a bully in the run game yourself and dictating the game yourself. The last few weeks, what has really worked for the Seahawks in the passing game has been getting the football out quick. And I'm not suggesting that that needs to change. This is still an offensive line, especially without Abraham Lucas, where Geno Smith is going to have to get rid of the football quickly for life preservation and to keep this offense going. At the same time, this is a Cardinals team, as I mentioned. They're near the bottom of the league in sacks. They're near the bottom of the league in pressure rate. This has not been a team that has been consistently able to generate pressure from their front line this season. And they're also going to be down Garrett Williams, who already had replaced Marco Wilson, who was released, their former starter. They cut him last month. This cornerback group has been awful most of this season. Antonio Hamilton's one of their starters. They have really struggled giving up big plays. The Cardinals rank near the bottom of the league. They've given up 30 passing touchdowns this year, which I believe ranks 29th out of 32 teams this year. This is a team, even with the safeties the Cardinals have, you're going to have to be careful with those guys, particularly Buda Baker and his ability to pick off passes. But the cornerback group is ripe to be able to take advantage of. So this is a game where I do think you've got to be aggressive dialing up those shot plays because this Cardinals defense has had a lot of trouble with that, especially if you're running the ball well early and get some play action shots in there. This is a game where you absolutely have got to have your game plan designed, where you are taking some of those shots, particularly outside the numbers 
take advantage of your receiver talent against a quarterback group that right now might be the worst in the NFL. That is not sliding these guys. That's just accurate. They have really struggled that much, and they're down multiple players when it already wasn't a strong group for this football team. Yeah, one of the biggest mismatches of this of this matchup certainly is the receiver room for the Seahawks against that defensive back room. So certainly not the days of you know Booty Baker and, and Patrick Peterson, uh, you know, of a few years ago. Um, and just so that might be Jackson Smith and Jigba time a little bit as well in the slot. And also they're very poor at third downs. They're dead last, forty-seven point two percent allowed on third downs. The Seahawks are just right right behind them or in front of them <laughs> at second to last on defense, but also 25th are the Seahawks on third downs on offense. So also not great. So it's another, it's another uh, version of America's favorite game of who sucks less, who will suck less between the Seahawks third down offense or the Cardinals third down defense. So certainly, you know, especially go- going off of what you're saying, you're just taking those shots, converting those, because if all of a sudden you have limited possessions with the Cardinals dictating the run game against your defense, then you're going to have limited chances to score. And that means you need to sustain your own drives and convert those third downs and take those shots. Yeah, I really think moving the chains is going to be critical in this game because I just I don't trust this defense right now to be able to shut down or even manage a running game for an opponent, especially when the Cardinals are going to come into this game with a far superior quarterback. I mean, no offense to Mason Rudolph, but Kyler Murray is a far more talented quarterback at least. I just I don't have confidence in that defense being able to hold up against James Conner and company. So the Seahawks are going to have to be able to sustain drives, hold on to the football. And that's just been something they have not been great at this year. A lot of that having to do with the run game and having a lot of third and longs this year. Geno Smith under pressure behind an offensive line that just can't keep five same guys in the lineup to save their lives this year. So they've got to find a way to be able to have some sustained possessions and keep that Cardinals run game off the field while putting points to the board against a team that has been very giving in that category. Both these defenses have flat out stunk this year. So it's really going to boil down to which defense can stink less in this football game. Up next, we're going to be dishing out our picks to click and our weekly game predictions here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This episode is brought your way by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs offers all the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When I was managing a site at SI, LinkedIn Jobs was my go-to to post writing positions, and I landed some of the best candidates. They made the process easy and seamless. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, and that makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates, so much, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows small businesses have a bunch of hats on and don't necessarily have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, that process is intuitive. It's quick. It's easy. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked in NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked in NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Happy Blue Friday to all the 12s out there and thank you for listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm your host Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host Nick Lee and a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week all season long. We're hoping that there will be 
More games coming out of this weekend, but the Seahawks have to take care of business first against the Cardinals, and then they need the Bears and Justin Fields. Seahawks fans have to be rooting hardcore for the Bears this weekend to go into Lambeau and get the win against the Green Bay Packers. Let's talk picks to click. And at this point, Nick, I have given up on this tight end room because every time I pick a tight end, and if I would have picked Noah Fant last week, I would have been doing great. But I just need to stop thinking that Will Disley is ever going to be part of this passing game again. He's just become an afterthought in the passing game and very rarely gets involved. So I had an awful week last week. And and really, if you picked any defensive player, not named Leonard Williams, you were probably in trouble too with the way the defense played. So let's see if we can both hit the reset button here. Our last regular season and probably, you know, potentially our last picks to click for the entire year. Who are you going with on offense against the Cardinals and why? Well, I'm certainly not going with a safe pick. That's for sure. Um, I'm going to go with the guy who had his best game of the season the last time these two teams met, and that is Jake Bobo. And he had uh, four catches for 61 yards, and arguably, you know, I know the, the touchdown by Jackson Smith and Jigba to, to win the game against the Eagles was really cool, and his one against the Browns is really cool. But as far as pure, you know, degree of difficulty, that touchdown by Jake Bobo against the Cardinals was one of the more impressive catches I've seen in a long time. So hopefully, you know, he sees that Cardinal red again, and he has a good game, and so I'm going to kind of bank on that. And like we've mentioned, the defensive backs for the Cardinals have really struggled. Their, their injuries and when those that are healthy are underperforming. Um, so I'm going to go Jake Bobo a little bit off, off the beaten path a bit, but I'm, I'm feeling good about his chances, especially as he's playing a team he's already performed well against. You went with a real wild card. I'm going to go safe this week because every time I've gone with a wild card recently, it has blown up in my face. So I'm going to go with somebody that's maybe been the most consistent pick to click this year, even with the run game inconsistency. Ken Walker III, the last game that he ran for over 100 yards, I mentioned this earlier in the show, it was that first matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. And the Cardinals are now down to third and fourth string linebackers. They are missing guys along their defensive line that are on injured reserve. Away from Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, the secondary has not tackled well. This has been an atrocious run defense from week one till now. There really hasn't been a reprieve. They have been awful. The Seahawks were able to run fairly well that game. And again, it was Walker's last 100-yard performance. I think he's going to get to 114 in this game. I think the Seahawks are going to feed him a lot early and often, and that's going to be a big part of the game plan. So I'm going 114 yards and a touchdown from K-9. So you're going with more of the wild card, Jake Bobo. <clears throat> I'm going to go with the player that has really been the most consistent this year, being able to put up numbers, and at least in picks to click, has been the most successful for the two of us. I'm going to go with Ken Walker the third, having a big game to close out the regular season against the Cardinals. Now, let's flip the script. Seahawks on defense. We saw how awful that performance was last week, giving up over 450 yards to the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I still can't believe saying that. 202 rushing yards to the Steelers. They made him look like the greatest show on turf last weekend. That's just where this defense is at. Who is your pick to click on defense to try to right the ship for the season finale against another team that is really good at running the football? Well, my pick to click when the Seahawks defense is on the field is James Conner. I'm sorry. I mean... um. I'm going to go with the guy who is really going to try to cap off his his uh, campaign, his resume for a defensive rookie of the year is Devin Witherspoon. I know he's probably not going to win it. I think I saw the odds. He's at about plus 5,000, plus 7,000 now. 
Um, Vegas odds, unfortunately, the last, you know, the slide of the defense and some some quiet games for him have kind of slid him. But I do see him perhaps ending the year with a bang, maybe an interception, a tackle for loss kind of in the mix everywhere that the defense and the, and the ball is. And that's what I love about Devin Witherspoon. He's always involved. And right now the Seahawks need anyone involved on defense. So I, I can always count on Devin Witherspoon for that. One player that unfortunately has not been somebody the Seahawks can count on consistently this year has been Reek Woolen. And we got to see it again last week with that horrible play at the goal line where he just kind of stood there while Bobby Wagner was getting bulldozed by Najee Harris and a bunch of tight ends and offensive linemen didn't even try to come in and help out on that play. There's been other plays he's made business decisions on. I just have a feeling that Reek Woolen has seen some of the comments out there, and they're justified this week. This is It's not like this is angry fans of the pitchforks for no reason. He has just not played to the expectation this year, but he has always played well against the Arizona Cardinals. He intercepted Kyler Murray at home last year. He had a really good game against DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona last year. I just have a feeling that this is going to be a game where Reek Woolen is going to step up and maybe some of the pressure from the outside as well. The fact that he already has been benched once. I've got him getting a pick and a pass breakup in this game. Five tackles. I think Reek Woolen's going to have one of his better games of the season going back to Arizona, a place that he has played well in his previous game that he played there. So I like his chances to bounce back some. I just think this is a game that caters well. The Cardinals are still going to try to throw the football. They're going to try to get some plays on the outside. They're without Marquise Brown, their best receiver. This is a game that Reek Woolen should be able to get his hands on the football at least one or two times. And hopefully he will be ready to come up and make tackles. There have been games this year where he has been willing to. And then there's been games like last week where he hasn't. It's just been inconsistent mindset. As far as game predictions go, as we've mentioned throughout the week, the Seahawks need to win this game and they need the Bears to beat the Packers to get into the postseason. Nick, do you see the Seahawks getting to nine and eight for a second straight year and at least giving themselves a chance at a postseason berth? Or is this Cardinals team just the wrong matchup at the wrong time for a team that has not been able to stop the run this year? Well, I watched what the Cardinals did to the Eagles in Philly. I watched what the Steelers came into Seattle and did with at the Seahawks' own house. Like I mentioned, Cardinals have run for 200-plus in the last three weeks twice. Um, I, I I don't like that. I have a sinking feeling. The Seahawks are on their heels. They're soft, and their heart and desire are coming into question, rightfully so. And the Cardinals would love nothing more with nothing else to play for than to play spoiler. I mean, the Seahawks lose or done I mean, either way. Um, so this, you know, it's kind of giving me 2017 vibes against Cardinals last week of the year. Cardinals kind of pull the rug out from under you 24 to 20. Unfortunately, I see the Cardinals winning this game. I just, they, they can play bully ball better than the Seahawks can maybe not to the level of the Steelers, but I think they saw what the Steelers did. And also the Cardinals can do that to, as well. They just did it to the defending NFC champions in their own building. So, uh, yeah, I just don't like the matchup 24, 20 Arizona, unfortunately. Yeah, I was leaning that direction, too, going into this show. But I think there's a couple things that give the Seahawks a chance to win this game that they didn't have in their favor last week. The Cardinals don't have a George Pickens. They do not have that elite receiver, potential top five talent. They don't have that kind of a player on the outside right now. They're also going to be missing DJ Humphreys, their starting left tackle who tore his ACL last week. Now, Kelvin Beecham has started a lot of games in this league. But still, that is a big loss for their offensive line. 
it feels like this is a game. If Pete Carroll was trying to cater to explosives last week, like you have got to be putting guys up. Oh, you are on, on us. I expect the Cardinals are going to find success running the football because the Seahawks defense has not shown that they can consistently make plays against the run. But I've also seen this Cardinals team give up a lot of points and a lot of yardage. I don't think they have anywhere near the talent that the Steelers have, at least on that front line. And so I think Geno Smith wins this game for the Seahawks. I think Seattle's going to be able to get some of those shot plays in the passing game. I think they're going to be able to run the football. They're going to have some balance. This, to me, is going to be a game unlike last week. I mean, the offense played well, but I think this week the defense is going to be able to get just enough stops with the offense putting points on the board that I'd get the Seahawks winning 28-23. to That might seem on the lower scoring end, but I think both teams are going to be able to run the football, which is going to make it that the clock is going to be chewed up a little quicker. I don't see this being that track meet back and forth, but I do think the Seahawks are going to get some big chunk plays in the passing game. And to me, the difference is going to be Geno Smith is going to have a great game. And I think Kyler Murray will be solid. But I think the Seahawks will find a way to coax him into a turnover or two. So it's going to be close. I can definitely see the Cardinals winning this game. But I think the Seahawks are going to come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And I think the offense is going to carry them to the victory. We shall see when the two teams meet at State Farm Stadium on Sunday afternoon for the season finale. As always, you can follow me on X and Threads at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at NickLee51. Make sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Don't forget, coming up on Sunday, win or loss, playoffs or no playoffs, there's going to be a post-game show, and I'm going to be diving into key storylines, of course, talking what happened playoff-wise. going to have our game balls, three up, three down in a jam-packed post-game episode a few hours after the final whistle in Glendale. Make sure you're listening in and enjoy the rest of your Friday. Go Hawks!